Okay, we'd like to welcome you back to our current event and weekly Bible study for September 19th, 2010. And we're going to continue with this particular study. This video is entitled, An Alarming Video Every Westerner Should See. It's got almost 2 million views, and it's filming a, um, looks like an imam, an Islamic imam, some religious leader, He's got the full turban on, the whole nine yards. He's speaking. He's got, it looks to be, three major microphones before him. I mean, this is something that, you know, was on their news uh, and evidently lively got this. The problem is, like the other video I played the other day, he's speaking all in Arabic, but it's being translated at the bottom of the screen. And I'll let you hear a little bit of it, but his first statement he makes is four pounds of anthrax in a suitcase this big. Now, I'm just going to let you hear it just so you understand that I'm not just making this up here. Did you hear how he said anthrax? Okay, I'm going to let him play a little bit more here. Okay, then he goes on to say... So four pounds of anthrax carried by a fighter, a uh, freedom fighter, Islamic freedom fighter, through tunnels from Mexico into the U.S. are guaranteed to kill 330,000 Americans within a single hour. Now he's on the Arabic regular news, and there's there's Arabic at the bottom going, there's, there's two lines of Arabic at the bottom, three microphones in front of this guy, and he's basically right out in the open. Four pounds of anthrax carried by an Islamic uh, uh, jihadist through a tunnel from Mexico are guaranteed to kill 330,000 Americans within a single hour. That's what they want. Death to America is their motto. Jihad. They are obligated to kill the infidels. They view us and call us the great Satan. So, and again, I understand why, to a certain extent, they would, I mean, there are certain things that our military has done over there that I can see would have totally provoked them. The depleted uranium that's been used over there and all the birth defects and all the people that have died as a result of it. I'm not saying that America was over there being puritanical with their wars and things of this nature. It was basically designed to control the oil coming out of there and also to control the, the opium production in Afghanistan. Our, our motives for being over there weren't good. I don't care what propaganda they put on the TV. Okay, but granted, you are dealing with an extremely evil element of people here that want revenge in the worst kind of way. Now, I'm going to go ahead at this point and mute the thing because I don't want to hear that in the uh, if you hear that in the background and you hear me interpreting it you're not going to understand uh, you're going to get confused a little bit so let's go further here next statement he says if it is properly spread in population centers there meaning the anthrax he said what a horrifying idea 9/11 will be small change in comparison in other words, 9-11 will be like nothing in comparison to 330,000 Americans dying, and this is just a little bit of anthrax. What if they got? What if they did this in multiple cities and did it at the same time? Let's go further. He says, am I right? There's no need for airplanes, conspiracies, timings, and so on. In other words, there's no need for, for all this stuff about 9-11, how we had... You know, uh, 11 or 12 guys with box cutters supposedly getting on a plane, hijacking and precision flying these planes into buildings. It's a bunch of garbage. I mean, again, see loose change, 9-11, go up on YouTube, watch it. You know, it's that's just a little bit of the proof available on there. But he says there's no need for airplanes, conspiracies, timings, and so on. In other words, this can be done a lot quicker, better, we can kill a lot more people without having to go through the trouble of the whole 9-11. One person with the courage to carry four pounds of anthrax will go to the White House lawn and will spread this like confetti all over them. 
I doubt that's going to happen. And then we will do these cries of joy. That's what he's saying. It will turn into a real celebration. Do you understand what we're talking about here? Do you understand how sick these people are? They don't care who they kill. Man, woman, little children, babies. It all goes over here. Cries of celebration, of real celebration and joy. This is what makes these devils happy. Can you imagine being that evil and satanically possessed to say such a thing? But that's, that's them. The weapons of mass destruction is a problem, he says. The Americans are afraid that weapons of mass destruction might fall into the hands of terrorist organizations. Like Al-Qaeda and others. There is a good reason for the Americans' fears. Because Al-Qaeda used to have, in the Herat region... It had laboratories in northern Afghanistan. They have scientists, chemists, and nuclear physicists. They are nothing like they are portrayed by these mercenary journalists. Backward Bedouins living in caves. No, no, no. By no means are they that. This kind of talk can fool only naive people. In other words, they got real people that can kill you. People who follow such things know that Al-Qaeda has laboratories just like Hezbollah. Hezbollah has laboratories in South Lebanon, which produces weapons and sells them. Hezbollah has laboratories in South Lebanon. From which it sells weapons to Romania and Hungary. They call someone a terrorist. Say... When they say that, then he's a friend of mine. Why? Because these terrorists are the world's most God-fearing people. That's what he says about terrorists. God-fearing, right. They are the most honorable people in the world, the world, the best people in the world. That's what he says about these devil cowards that strap nail bombs onto their backs and run into cafes or run into buses with women and children on them and blow themselves up. That's who he says are the best, most honorable people in the world. And what I say to him is, woe unto them that call evil good and good evil. Because if I have ever seen a cult religion that calls evil good and good evil, this is the one. This is the guy. This Islam has got to be at the top of the heap. They're the most delusional, satanically evil possessed people as a religion that I've ever seen. Now, does it mean I want them to all go to hell? Does it mean I want them to... to, No, I really pray to God and wish they would get saved. I do. And we should be praying for that. But the Bible does say, uh, narrow is the way which leads to life eternal, and few there be that find it. And i got to believe there's not going to be a whole lot of Islamic people with the hatred that they have in their heart toward toward infidels, toward America, toward Jews. There's not going to be a whole lot of them getting saved, you know. Few there be that find it. Broad is the way which leads to destruction, and many there be that go thereat. These are some extremely demon-possessed, delusional individuals. So he's saying these terrorists that kill all these people and die in Allah's service are the most honorable people in the world and the best people in the world. That's what he says. I'm going further. Next statement. This man's eyes are so evil, I can hardly stand to look at him. He says, I have personally met Mullah Omar. I had the honor of meeting with Mullah Omar, some Mullah guy. This is a man who does not belong to this era. In other words, he's a wonderful, you know, Allah-loving kind of guy. He always refused to meet with Western delegations. He would say to them, go to Kabul. I'm in Kadahar, meaning... He didn't want to meet with these guys. Truly the polytheists are impure, if you know what I mean. Polytheists meaning they worship many gods. Go meet with the foreign minister. Go talk politics. I'm staying here. In other words, he was so such an honorable man, he wouldn't meet with the press. I'm interpreting the interpretation. This is the kind of people who are suitable for dealing with the West. As for 
Galan and their ilk, they do not benefit the nation in any way. In other words, he's talking about different sects within Islam that he doesn't like. They're not pure enough for him. They're not pure enough in his way of devil thinking. In the U.S., there will be more than 300,000 white militia members. And this is the devil talking here. Oh, is he evil looking? Wow. Who are calling to attack the federal government in Washington. Now, this brings up another good point. Remember what we had talked about, about defending against the revolutionaries. But at the same time, our government hates the militia. They don't want a militia, even though it's, you know, a, a true militia is actually part of our original governmental thing that was actually, you know, you, you can read about that. Well, they don't want that. They want Big Brother, global government, that's how they want things to be policed and, and defended. They don't want a militia. But they're, he's saying there's a militia of 300,000 people in America who are calling to attack the federal government in Washington. Um, now, again, this is going to be the excuse for our government to go after the militia. So, here, here's what he says about the militia. And they want to banish the Arabs, the Jews, and the Negroes from the U.S. He's lumping all the militia into a bunch of... He says, these are racist people. They're called rednecks. So, he's like everyone else. He just loves to lump people. Ku Klux Klan. They're racist. That's what they call everybody in the militia. Broad brush. This is how ignorant this guy is. These militias even think about bombing nuclear plants within the United States. Now, I, you know what? I'm sorry. There may be a small sect, a small, tiny, infiltrated sect of militias that maybe want to do this. Ku Klux Klan, whatever. But, you know, again, guys like this and guys that are at the head of their respective religions love to talk about other factions, groups, or religions and lump everybody into one category. It's, it's, it's so convenient for them because it, what it does is it helps them justify their own sick, twisted, perverted position. That's why they do it. They want to justify their own position. And then, you know what he says here? The next statement is he says about them bombing the nuclear plants in America. He says, may Allah grant them success. That's what he says. This religion of peace. Now, they're, they're fanning out on the crowd and every one of these people are wearing those, well... I'd say 95% are wearing those Arab towel things on their head, and they all, they're all there, they're real religious looking, and, and they're all in approval. And you can hear them in the background. Sometimes they clap for things that he's saying. Some, th there's usually always this positive reaction in the back. It's not like, <gasps> you know, gasping and whore. No, 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 no. They're, they're, he's speaking truth as far as they can see. This is what, they, what they're called to do. Then he goes on to say, even though we are not white, or even close to it, right? Next statement. They have plans to bomb the nuclear plant at Lake Michigan. This is what he's saying, these militias are planning to do. Now, I wouldn't be surprised if the government would stage some type of false flag militia thing where they did do this very thing so they could blame all the militias and have the excuse to legally come after every one of them that's what I see him doing. Because think about it. What if we've got World War III going on, just started, all of a sudden all these terrorist cells that, have, that the government has led in, that primarily Bush and the Obama administration has let pour into us, all these terrorist cell groups, both Islamic, Arab, and Mexican drug cartel, MI5, all these gang factions link up together, they start releasing all of these either pre-positioned bombs, pre-positioned biological agents, anthrax, dirty nukes, whatever. Whatever they can get their hands on. They start taking out power stations. World War III is going on. All this havoc's breaking loose. And then all of a sudden, a nuclear plant gets targeted up in Michigan or someplace like that. Wouldn't it be convenient for the government to come along and say, it's these terrible militia people. They wouldn't blame the terrorists. They wouldn't blame MI5 or, or, or any of the Islamic. No, 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 no. They're going to blame the militia so the government then can have the excuse to go out with their UN peacekeeping troops and go after the militias. So they can take that one last defense out. Now, I'm not saying the Lord Jesus Christ isn't on the throne, but I'm saying from a physical standpoint, from a defend your country standpoint. They take that faction out, but not to say God can't protect those Militia people, the ones that are born-again Bible-believing Christians, 
I'm not saying he can't protect them, and I believe we're going to see that in the days coming ahead. But wouldn't it be convenient for our wonderful government to come and take and target them? And what would that do? That would allow the um, all these other terrorist factions that have already been pre-positioned in America, thanks to our wonderful open border policy that no, no other country has on the planet other than ours, that would allow them to wreak havoc almost unchecked. Do you see the scenario that could so easily play out in the times to come? So he says they have plans to bomb the nuclear plant at Lake Michigan. I'm going to go further. Next statement. This plant is very important. It supplies electricity to all of North America. May Allah grant them success to one of these militia leaders in order to kill, take out this who is thinking about bombing this plant? May, may Allah grant him success. Oh, you are one sick devil. I believe that we should devote part of our prayers to him. Now, let me say something I keep forgetting to say. Do you realize when we see all these pictures of all these um, Muslims that are outside like in New York City and they're, they're clogging up the streets over in France and this, and they're all doing their prayers. You know, there's a lot more going on there than, we're, than I'm giving credit for them. Do you realize that if you're not praying to the God of heaven, what are you really doing? Are you just speaking to the air? No, you're speaking to your devil God. You're speaking to Allah. What are you basically doing? Well, to me, they're doing nothing more than some type of mass witchcraft. Because if it's not the God of the Bible, then what is it? It's paganism. Well, we know Allah is the moon God, so they're praying to the moon God. And you know what? Witches and warlocks and people involved in the occult know that there's powers to spells and witchcraft and curses and things like that. What do you think in mass that the Arabs are doing five times a day, praying to good old Allah, bowing to Mecca five times a day in his honor? What do you think that that really is the equivalent of? It's witchcraft. It's demonic witchcraft. Right out in the open, right out in the streets. It's not just some innocent thing that they're doing to show their devotion to Allah. Their prayers, from a demonic standpoint, have power. And this is why the Christian church should be praying against their wickedness that they're wanting to bring on the great Satan. Because they want to destroy you and I. Particularly as a born-again Bible-believing Christian. Um, this is witchcraft. The lukewarm church of America, the Bible says, if I regard sin in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. Well, the vast majority of people in America are regarding so many types of sin in their heart that God is not going to hear them. And they're not praying about this stuff anyway. They're praying about their next financial blessing they're going to get next week. Or their next whatever. I'm not saying all of them, but I'm saying a lot. They're not praying about these types of things. So there's very few people that are most likely coming against this wickedness. And again, you know, take it to the Lord in prayer, and, and it is very important to do that. Okay, next statement. So he's saying we should devote part of our prayers to this, helping them bomb the nuclear plant. We should pray that Allah grants him success, the leader of the militia that's going to bomb the nuclear plant, so he can complete this mission. And we will be able to visit him and congratulate him, Allah willing. So in other words, if, if, a, if a militia leader actually pulled this off, this devil would actually go and congratulate him. You know, put her there, you know, you did a great job. Now we're going to have to kill you and chop off your head because you're an infidel. But, you know, you served us good, you idiotic American. And then he goes on to say, Allah stated in the Quran that the hostility between us and the Jews is eternal. See, this is what people don't understand. People don't understand that the Quran says that Allah stated that the hostility between us and the Jews, and all the infidels too, is eternal. There's no remedy for it, other than the Jews and the infidels dying. That's the only remedy. So all this talk about peace talks and all this other garbage is a bunch of lies that the Quran says it's okay to lie as long as you're advancing the agenda of Allah. Um, and I've given you the quotes before. Next statement. So whoever talks about dialogue, cut off his tongue. 
In other words, what does he mean by that statement? He means every, whoever talks about peace talks and dialogue, cut off his tongue. See, this guy is a fundamental Islamic. Like, if you're a fundamental Christian, you're fundamental to the Word of God. He's fundamental to the Quran. A lot of um, Islamics are called either like moderate or whatever. They may say they're Islamic, but the reality is, is they're either lying in order to appear as a wolf or as a sheep in wolf's clothing, or no, no, as a sheep, when in reality there's nothing more than, than a wolf in sheep's clothing. They're either saying they're moderate for that reason, or, you know, they're, they're, um, they're just lying. Okay, this guy is true to the fundamental faith of Islam, and he's speaking it exactly like the Quran says. He's at least he's being honest. I'll, I'll give him that. At least he's being fundamental to his demonic faith, and he's admitting to what the Quran clearly states. This, these are the people that are actually um, being honest and real. He goes on to say, what dialogue is they, are they talking about? There's no room for dialogue. Allah said our hostility toward the Jews is eternal. And then along comes someone and talks about brotherhood and so on. This contradicts the Quran. This is what I've been saying in all these teachings. Anyone who contradicts the Quran is an infidel. Exactly. Accusing people of heresy, yes, I'm all for it. Yes, I support accusing people of heresy. Meaning, meaning those that are going around saying Islam is a religion of peace and we can make friends and good buddies with the Jews. No, 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 no. He says call them a heretic. Going further, next statement. We should also defend the resistance. In other words, keep it pure. Next statement. And not remain silent in the face of this organized campaign against the resistance. In other words, he doesn't want this watered down garbage that a lot of Islam is, is supposedly touting about this religion of peace. No, he don't want that watered down garbage. He wants it to be gloves off, hardcore, this is the way the Quran says. You know, hey, like I said, at least he's being honest, if nothing else. Going further, in the press of the Arabian Peninsula and the Gulf and the other Arab newspapers, there are voices expressing doubts. about the leaders of the resistance. We must confront these journalists and prevent them from continuing this. Even if it means calling them over the phone and saying to them, do not repeat these despicable things. Next statement. In your columns or in your articles, or else we will take the following measures against you, journalists. We must resort to pressure with these people. We, will, we must not remain silent. In other words, what he's saying is the gloves need to come off. We need to be honest about what we're doing and we, we must not remain silent about putting the pressure on these journalists. Uh, they want the real agenda of Islam to come out. This guy does. Now, I don't know if, if the people at the top of Islam want that quite yet. I think at some point we're obviously going to see that. I don't think, though, that his opinion reflects all of Islam because, again, they're trying to say they're a religion of peace still, and yet at the same time they want to advance their agenda. And they, and they want to get enough numbers and enough people into the country and preposition so that when they start their jihadic war with the Westerners and with the Jews, then they'll have these people prepositioned. If they came out right now and actually put this out on mainstream news... For everybody to see, like, let's say this went up on ABC News tonight, and, and, and the gloves came off, and we were actually allowed to see what their real agenda is. Well, people, even if they don't have a quarter of a brain, are going to be able to see, whoa, we need to get these people out of this country. They don't even need to be here. This is their religion? No, they don't want to do that. They want to, they want to let these people in in order to create the crisis which is coming which will be a controlled crisis. It's the Hegelian dialectic. They create the crisis. In this case, they're going to pre-position all these people in America, which they've already pretty much done. They're going to have probably dirty bombs, biological agents, who knows what else. Then they unleash them, most likely when World War III starts. They create the crisis, and then 
they bring about the solution. Their solution. The Hegelian dialectic. So, antithesis, synthesis, you know, the whole thing, okay? So, this is what is going to happen here, I believe, as part of what we're going to face in the times to come here. So, he goes on to say, we must resort to pressure with these people that we must not remain silent. He's referring to these journalists. Next statement. We must not leave them to, to their own devices under the pretext of freedom of expression. This is the fifth column. The fifth column. That's what Hitler referred to. The fifth column. The fifth root race. Their version of their version of the Aryan race that Hitler was trying to bring about. The perfect Aryan. They've got their version of the fifth column. These are the purest Arabic jihadists that will die for Allah and ever go to be with the 72 virgins and boys with pasty white skin in paradise. Ugh, whatever. Good. So they can practice their pedophilia forever. Yeah, I'm sure a holy God would permit that. Yeah, right. We got into that last week. It, just everything about this cult is so sickening. And we talked about last week the Ayatollah, how he raped that little five-year-old girl all night long. And it was admitted. And he even had it in his writings. I mean, we're talking some debased, debauched stuff here. We're talking about the depths of Satan in regard to everything, all the fruit that I'm seeing. And listen, this isn't... I'm not making this stuff up. This is what they're openly admitting to. I'm just bringing it to light as a watchman. Lest we be destroyed for lack of knowledge. Lest Satan get an advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices, according to 2 Corinthians 2.11. So, and again, so we know how, well how to direct our prayers. And then he goes on to say, I, Abdullah Fahid, Abid, Al-Azi, Nafasi, my word, the guy's got a name about 14 feet long. He says, I am inciting you. And then he goes on, next statement. Guy's got five names. To confront using any means possible. He's talking about these journalists. Anyone who speaks out against the resistance. Now, in, in some ways, this is totally hypocritical. Because in other words, you journalists better keep your mouth shut about us, Islamic Fundamental, true to the faith, jihad terror warriors. You better not speak out against us. You better support us or we're going to get you. It, the whole religion runs off intimidation and in fear. That's how the whole religion's based on. Any means possible. Get it? In other words, you better not speak out against us. You better support us. The Hamas ministers are the Mujahideen. I know a minister who actually participated in operations. Now it just it cuts off there. It doesn't it doesn't make a whole lot of sense at the end there. But anyway, that was that lovely uh, quote there from him. Now we're going to actually listen to a video that just came out this week. This is students in Massachusetts take a field trip to a mosque. Public public school is sponsoring things like this now. This religion of peace and tolerance that we've just had a wonderful little look at. Uh, this is from 917. This is another example of the fact that separation of church and state only applies to Christianity. These students went on a taxpayer-funded field trip for their middle school to a mosque. A mosque that was funded by Saudi Arabia and ran by a group called the Muslim American Society of Boston. The girls were separated from the boys dur during this hours and hours long tour, and the boys took part in prayers to Allah. And you'll actually be able to watch this on the thing. I'm going to play it. You won't be able to you won't be able to see it, but I'm going to go ahead and play this now. And so you can I I, I watched it and I said, you know what, I gotta play this. I gotta play the because it's unbelievable what, what just happened. Okay, so we're gonna roll this video now. It's about a ten minute clip here and you'll be able to hear everything and you can go up and watch it. I give you all the links on the PDF. And I'll also send this out via email as well. On May 25th, 2010, students from the Wellesley, Massachusetts Public Middle School were taken on a field trip to the Muslim American Society's Boston Mosque. During their visit, students were asked to participate in the Muslim Midday Prayer. 
several Wellesley Public School boys took part. How did Wellesley Public School teachers allow this to happen? A mother who joined the field trip describes her experience. My 11-year-old son is a student at Wellesley Middle School. In mid-May, the school sent a permission request for him to participate in a social studies class field trip to a mosque. I was told that the goal of the trip was to learn about the mosque's architecture and to give the students an authentic experience inside a mosque by observing Islamic religion firsthand. Something didn't feel quite right about public school kids being taken to have an authentic experience in a place of worship. I was a little concerned. As I did a bit of research into the mosque, known as the Islamic Society of Boston Cultural Center, as well as the organization that runs it, the Muslim American Society, I discovered, to my alarm, that the mosque is highly controversial. The Fox Undercover investigation has documented that several of its leaders, past and present, do have ties to Islamic terrorism. The mosque was founded by Abdul Rahman Alamudi, who is currently serving 23 years in prison for his participation in an Al-Qaeda terror plot. The Muslim American Society, which runs the mosque, has been identified by federal prosecutors as the overt arm of the Muslim Brotherhood. The top donor to the mosque, and one of its legal owners and trust, is wealthy Saudi national Walid Fatahi, who has written in Arabic newspapers that Jews were always after killing the prophets. Alarmingly, this anti-Semitic message appears to be reaching some of the mosque's own youth. Recently, one of the mosque's imams was taped appearing to incite his followers. Grab onto the shovel, grab onto the gun and the sword. Don't be afraid to step out into this world and do your job. I also learned that the Islamic Society had promoted... Okay, now, before we go further... He said, grab onto the shovel, grab onto the shore. Don't be afraid to step out in this world and do your job. What is he in reference to? Because they didn't elaborate on that. He's in reference to jihad. He's in reference to when the time comes when this jihad is supposed to happen, you do whatever it takes. You grab onto whatever weapon you got. You kill in the name of Allah. Okay? You do your job for Allah because that's your duty as a good Islamic brainwashed automaton. That's what he was in reference to. So let's go further. Wife beating on his website, instructing men to hang a whip in the household as a warning for unruly wives. I was concerned and decided to join the field trip as a chaperone. And I... So she did some research and she went up to their homepage, Islamic Society of Boston, I'm looking right at it, 40 recommendations for the Muslim home. And one of them was hang up a whip where the members of the household can see it. So this is, um, and they give you the reference, uh, where and when it was said, by who it was said, right there on the website. So that's just one of the things they got up on their website, this wonderful, uh, tolerant religion. Brought my camera. As soon as I walked into the mosque, I was approached by a white female American convert who was to be my escort. The event seemed well orchestrated, like a sales pitch. Everyone was very friendly. I have to believe in Allah. Allah is the one God, the only one worthy of worship. All okay, so this this white woman who is a converted Islamic, she's wearing the full burqa, the whole nine yards. She's saying Allah is the only one. He's the only God. He's the only one worthy of worship. Now, that's basically saying that you know the God of the Bible doesn't count whatsoever. And that Allah is the only one. This is the this is the garbage they're getting during the introduction in this. I mean, this is how bad this thing is. Then he goes on to say, Allah is all forgiving, all merciful, wise, and knowing. What a bunch of stinking garbage. Allah is nothing more than the moon god. And he is not om- omnipresent or omnipotent. Um, he is not like the god of heaven. He is not even, a, he's just another fallen angel that people are worshipping. 
all forgiving. He's really forgiving and all merciful. That's why he commands his followers to go out and kill and slay the infidels and do all the other garbage. That they do. That's why all they have all these pedophiles and, and multiple marriages and they're raping little girls and you know defile and, and, and mutilating their genitals because Allah is all forgiving and all merciful. Right. The substance of the mosque presentation to students was troubling. It really didn't seem very educational. The Islamic Center spokeswoman was presenting distorted history and sometimes came close to proselytizing. At the time of Prophet Muhammad, women weren't allowed to express their opinions and vote in, uh, in this country. Women didn't get that right until less than 100 years ago. This wonderful woman actually has the audacity to go into women's rights of all subjects about Islam. I mean, you, you couldn't have a more oppressive cult when it came to women's rights than Islam. I mean, it doesn't get much worse, okay? And you know, I tried to go and find that show uh, with Sally Field in it, that one, not without, it's actually called Not Without My Daughter. Well, I found something very interesting. It's been totally removed pretty much from the from the internet totally. The only thing you can watch are the trailers. Now, this is an old movie. Okay, this isn't like, you know, some blockbuster movie that came out where they've got all these copyrights on them. Okay, I found it very interesting that that movie had been totally sanitized, <clears throat> probably from multiple flags and, and complaints, by, and you should have saw the comments from the Islamic men about even the trailer. You should have saw the foul mouth. Garbage. I mean, the most foul, vile. There's no possible way I could repeat it. I'm so glad brought this to my God brought this to my remembrance because I, I did it this week because I wanted I wanted to show my daughter what's you know a good dose of what it's really like, and I think that even that some of that was sanitized. I couldn't find it. The only thing you can find is the trailer. Oh my word! You should have saw the comments. The Muslim. Wonderful religion of peace men were making on the trailer. No way I could repeat it. They used cuss words. They used the most vile cuss words you could possibly... They used cuss words I didn't even think they know about in American, but evidently they do. And um, uh, so this woman says, so Islam actually was very advanced in terms of recognizing women's rights because in Muhammad's day, he liberated the women evidently. Well, I don't know what happened then after that, even though Muhammad had multiple wives and, and he actually betrothed the six-year-old named Aisha and married and, and slept with her when she was nine. At least that's what they're admitting to. I mean, that's, that's right out Islamic writing. So Muhammad was a pedophile. He was a child molester. And but he he did a lot to advance women's rights. Though R remember, we got to give the guy some credit here because you know credits due. Obviously, let's go further. So Islam actually was uh, very advanced in terms of recognizing women's rights. The claim that women were allowed to vote in Muhammad's seventh century Arabia is simply not true. Muhammad was a supreme ruler who claimed divine sanction from Allah. No one, not even men were allowed to vote. And in the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia today, both men and women have few political rights. In fact, women still aren't even allowed to drive cars there. Yet it's not surprising that the mosque would seek to minimize the abuse of Saudi women. Over half of the mosque's $15 million price tag was paid by donors living in Saudi Arabia. I was wondering how many school children had been told that women were freer under Muhammad than under George Washington or Theodore Roosevelt. Miseducating the students about Islamic history was one thing, but what the mosque tour guides did next was totally inappropriate and shocking. The spokeswoman announced that it was almost prayer time and taught the kids how to say the daily prayer. In the name of God, most gracious, most merciful, all the women chaperones, female teachers and girls, were asked to leave the prayer area, but the boys were asked to stay. Because we were sitting far away, I didn't notice it at first, 
but I was shocked to look up and see some of the middle school boys praying with the men of the mosque, following the movements of the faithful, prostrating themselves with their foreheads on the ground. Apparently, while we weren't looking, the boys were asked to join in the prayer, and some of them did. Okay, now you have to understand, she's filming this. We're watching this. Okay, it's not like this is something they're making up. You can see the little kids... There's looks like about five of them with all these other men standing around, and they've, you know, this is what they do. They they they're very subtle in, in the way that Islam tries to recruit people. And you have to understand, going there, you're you're in the devil's territory, and if you don't have your guard up, if you're not there to actually go there to pray against this, well, then you're going to be open for these devils and these demons that emanate and operate through this cult. To start influencing your thought pattern. It's just like if you go to a, a Mormon uh, church or Jehovah Witness. Remember what I said about the Jehovah Witness, me going to his house. You're on Satan's turf, okay? You better be prepared if you go to one of those places because you might just get brainwashed. You just might find, I mean, unless the Lord intervenes, you might get swept up into that garbage. And here we already got five kids that are praying to Allah first you know, right out of the gate here. And they were probably subtly pressured to do this. But uh, let's go further. I was shaking as I saw one of the Jewish boys praying. I looked at the teachers to do something, to say something. No one said anything, perhaps afraid to offend. I wanted to get out quickly and go home. After the field trip, I checked the permission slip. There was nothing there to inform parents that their children would be joining in prayer, only that they would be observing. According to the school's social studies chair, the trip was recommended by a Watertown-based nonprofit called Primary Source. According to the group's website, it partners with 50 schools and districts across Massachusetts and has held events with mosque leaders before. How many public school students have visited the Roxbury Mosque or other mosques and been offered to join the prayer? In fact, all across the country, there are reports of radical Islamic groups engaging in dawah, which literally means proselytizing for Islam by taking advantage of poorly considered social studies curricula. One such dawah... Now, remember, I've said this is all by design. Them letting the terrorists come in to our... Them letting these mosques come up, them inciting all this hatred toward the Jews and the Americans, them opening up the borders. Remember, it's all by design of the Illuminati, by Satan, essentially. This is his plan. There's no way that Christian churches could get away with this. There's no way that they're going to go to some Bible-believing you know, church and let this same thing happen. No, no, no. Because the Bible's hate speech, but what they're doing, that, that's okay. What the Islam's doing, that's not hate speech. That's all right, you know. Well, we got a Muslim president, so why shouldn't that surprise us? Organization, Dawanet even offers a helpful guide for proselytizing in public schools, noting that students are receptive to new ideas. According to the website, public schools are therefore fertile grounds where the seeds of Islam can be sowed inside the hearts of non-Muslim students. In fact, the Boston Mosque's top donor and trustee, Walid Fatahi, actually boasted about the increase of proselytizing opportunities in Boston. Father Raymond Helmick, a Jesuit priest and Boston College professor, is one of the Islamic Center's most fervent supporters, but even he has condemned Fatahi's proselytizing efforts. Fatahi wrote an article for the Ashok a uh, newspaper that comes out of London, Arabic newspaper. It was picking up on the fact that uh, subsequent to 9-11, people began to take a much greater interest in Islam, trying to understand more what is Islam about. And he took this as a positive sign and said that this put them in the position to start making contracts. His ideas about uh, this is a chance to proselytize this was pretty offensive. The whole notion of having a religious practice as part of a school field trip concerns me. 
How can we entrust our children to a school system that appears to act so irresponsibly? Historically, the ACLU has been at the forefront of the battle to keep religion out of public schools. In fact, in 2009, the ACLU in Minnesota sued a charter school run by Muslim American Society officials for promoting prayer at the school. The ACLU's New England Education Director, Nancy Murray, shown here taking part in a public event at the mosque, is a strong supporter of the Muslim American Society. Nevertheless, we would normally expect the ACLU to take the lead in investigating any promotion of prayer or proselytizing to Massachusetts public school students. Public officials, including Wellesley Middle School's principal Joshua Frank, Wellesley School Superintendent Bella Wong, and chair of the Wellesley Board of Selectmen, Catherine Babson, need to investigate this incident, hold those responsible accountable, and ensure that it will never happen again. Moreover, the role of primary source in influencing the educational curriculum in Massachusetts public schools must also be investigated. Our institutions are failing us. Our public schools must not allow the Muslim American society to proselytize to our public school students. They said if your local school public schools are taking trips to mosque, contact us at www.peaceandtolerance.org. So you know, I don't know, I don't know anything about that organization. What I do know is that what we just witnessed was incredibly wrong, and unfortunately, becoming more and more incredibly common. No, there's going to be no investigation against this school, and the ACL will not have. But if it was Christians, oh, you better believe they'd be all over them. They'd be, they'd be all over them. But it's a double standard that we're living in, totally. Um, hypocrisy on every single level. Uh, Islam is one of the most hypocritical cults on the planet, and the ACLU is no different. So it's kind of like a match made in hell there. Now, let's go further. Let's go further with the... Um, uh, whole thing on Islam and Obama. Here's a new article. Um, Obama prepares largest arms sale ever to Saudi Arabia. Muslim, I mean, 99%, I think, right around 99% Saudi Arabia, or 97 uh, are the Islamic. They mean, that's a, that's a country that's absolutely 100% totally taken over. So we're going to prepare our largest arms sale ever to them. Of all people on the planet, well, he's a Muslim, so he wants to help his little Muslim buddies out, right? There's a picture here of Barack Obama with Saudi King Abdullah. Um, and again, you can click on the link to see it. But selling um, selling $60 billion, not million, billion dollars in arms to Saudi Arabia is a win-win deal, according to Obama administration. The largest weapons deal ever by the U.S. would create more than 70,000 U.S. jobs. So I guess the ends do truly justify the means. I mean, this is the only type of job that Obama's going to create, where we're actually helping the enemy kill us and kill and kill Israel. So he's saying, well, hey, guys, come on. It would create 70,000 new jobs. What's not to like for a stumbling U.S. economy? And it would strengthen ties with key, a key American ally. Yeah, we really want them as our ally. How could you be an ally to Saudi Arabia and an ally to Israel? I, I don't see how that kind of works. I just don't get it. Anyway, um, and it would possibly create a better, a better environment with other Arab countries. Because they're definitely the ones we want to appease, right? And then he says, while trying to shore up U.S. policy against Iran and the Persian Gulf, Israelis however, are concerned that the weapons could be turned on them. Imagine why they would be concerned about that. $70 billion? You better believe. Who else are they going to get turned on? Who else would be the first one they would turn the weapons on? Of course it's going to be Israel. The $60 billion package would include 84 new F-15 fighters, as well as another 70 existing ones that would be upgraded. And three types of helicopters, 70 Apache helicopters, 72 Blackhawks, and 36 Little Birds. Furthermore, the administration wants to sell the Saudi Arabians 
another $30 billion in ships and hardware to upgrade the naval, the kingdom's naval forces. And then there's talks of selling the Saudi Arabians the terminal high-altitude defense missile system as well. Although Saudi Arabia's vast oil reserves have secured good relations with every president via either Democratic or Republican, why? Because the love of money is the root of all evil, and that's been since the days of Franklin Roosevelt, the Saudi royal family continues to run one of the most repressive and undemocratic dictatorships on the planet. Okay, and that, um, I give you a whole bunch of different articles that you can follow up on this um, regarding this particular subject to confirm it. Next article, Obama's secret order bans nearly one million rifles. So now Obama's come around and done something different. He's going to do, what, was it a $50 billion deal with the Saudi Arabians on, on giving them all these this money? $60 billion in arms, okay? And then he turns around, and he's going to ban a million rifles that were coming into America, that we built. Listen to this. In an executive order, the Obama administration has secretly blocked the reimportation of nearly 1 million American-made M1 Garand and carbine rifles being stored in South Korea. These rifles were used by the U.S. military during the Korean War and left there after the war was over. With a stroke of a pen, he bypassed the the legislative process and banned nearly 1 million American-made rifles by executive fiat, meaning he just bypassed any kind of legal processes and channels. He just did it because he's a dictator. The Obama administration's State Department has said that the high magazine capacity of these firearms make them a dangerous safety concern and that they must be banned to protect us from terrorism. Do you see what he's doing? He's trying to ban the bullets. He's trying to ban the guns. He's letting the terrorists take over. He's giving them all the bullets and the guns. Do you see what's going on here? Did you? Did, I mean, Albert Pike's vision? I'm telling you, I mean, it's all there. I mean, it is so in your face if you just look if you just dig for this stuff, it's so in your face. I mean, high magazine capacity, those rifles hold eight rounds. Eight. It's not like they hold 80. Eight. But see, he doesn't want, he wants to try as much as possible to take away an American's right to defend his family away from them totally. Then he goes on to say, these outrageous claims are not only incorrect, but they are thinly veiled attempt to distract the Obama administration's special interest payback to the radical anti-gun, gun, uh, radical anti-gun crowd. This, despite pandering, this desperate pandering must not be allowed to continue. That is why we prepared a, peti- a petition and video against the Obama historic rifle ban. I can't even keep up with all the the evil stuff that the puppet masters are implementing through Obama. I can't even keep up with it all. It's just impossible. It's overwhelming. My, my teachings get longer and longer and longer, and yet I'm leaving more and more out every week. This is how bad it's getting. Well, anyway, I give you the link to the video they made on it, and then also f- for the petition that they made. Um, what a double standard. The guy, the guy goes and he wants to sell $60 billion to the Saudi Arabians, the worst of the worst of the Arab nations. And then we're, he's going to take away all these guns from us, uh, or, or potential. Unbelievable. Here's the next article. Obama endorses global taxes on the eve of a UN summit. I don't see how this guy, I mean, it's like, how can he just, it's unbelievable how much evil that he's capable of implementing. This starts out by saying, in a classic case of misdirection, while the media are preoccupied with the fate of the Bush tax cuts, President Obama is preparing to attend a United Nations summit next week to endorse innovative finance mechanisms. That's a quote. Or what is better known as global taxes to drain even more wealth out of the U.S. economy. A draft outcome document produced in advance of the September 22nd through 20 or 20th through 22nd UN summit on Millennium Development Goals or MDGs commits the nations of the world to supporting innovative financing mechanisms to supplement forward aid spending. The term innovative financing mechanisms is a UN euphemism for global taxes. Remember, the UN has got to get funding 
to the tunes of billions and trillions of dollars. How are they going to take over as a one world government unless they've got trillions of dollars behind them? Well, this is that whole process of the puppet masters creating legislation in order to feed it into that evil, satanic, United Nations beast system, which is basically going to be the coming essence of the New World Order, as I've said for years. The proposal, back to the article, the proposal, popular at the United Nations for decades and long advocated by Fidel Castro, well, hey, if he's got a stamp of approval on it, then, I mean, it must be good, right? Anyway, the proposal, which is popular at the United Nations, is called the Tobin Tax, and named after Yale University economist James Tobin. I wonder if he was a skull and bones or like uh, Bush Jr. and John Kerry and uh, Bush Sr. and uh, a whole bunch of other people. Uh, anyway, um, Steve Solomon, a former staff member, staff reporter at Forbes, said in his book, The Confidence Game, that such a proposal might net some $13 trillion a year. Remember, this is going to fund the U.N., because it is based on taking a percentage of money from the trillions of dollars exchanged daily in global financial markets. He is referring to the fact that one such a tax is already in place, or once such a tax is already in place, it could easily be raised to bring in hundreds of billions of dollars or more a year to the UN and other global institutions. Such financial transactions through banks and other financial institutions are commonplace on behalf of Americans who have stock in mutual funds or companies that invest or operate overseas. Hence, such global taxes could affect the stocks, the mutual funds, and pensions of ordinary Americans. I'm telling you right now, if you got your money in IRAs, stocks, mutual funds, pensions, 401ks, you better be prepared to lose them. I'm telling you, if it's not in your possession, and I mean even even uh, money, because the money could be devalued as well. And we're going to talk about that at the end of this teaching. But you better be prepared to lose every dime of it. Because they're going to be raiding. There's a lot of talk about how they're going to raid pension funds and raid this and raid that. Do you think Obama's not above doing that? Do you think he has any scruples whatsoever? They've got to fund their stuff some way, right? Well, they're going to start resorting to more. I mean, Social Security, that's going to be totally bankrupt. There's just one thing after another after another that Americans have relied on, and they're going to be stripped from you. They want to create a ultra-poverty class and an ultra-elite, and they have to eliminate the middle class of America. It's got to be done. It's part of their plan. So, the term, small global taxes, brought a stunned reaction from Senator David Vitter when he was told of what is being proposed in advance of the United Nations Summit. Vitter introduced Senate Resolution 461, which, uh, quote, expressing the sense of the Senate that the Congress should reject any proposal for the creation of a system of global taxation and regulation to put the, to put the Senate on record against any such measure. He has vowed to maintain pressure on the world body to avoid implementing any of these schemes and thinks that the Congress has to use whatever financial leverage it has to frustrate the UN demands for more power and authority in world affairs. But here's the, here's the, here's the punchline. The Vitter Rev resolution was sent to a liberal-controlled Senate Finance Committee, which declined to act on it. So in other words, the Illuminati will always put opposition there They'll always put people in there that'll say, oh, I mean, senators and things like this, that'll be up in arms about something, but most of the time, nothing happens. You know, and that's what's happened here, unfortunately. Over a 13-year period from 2002, when the United Nations Financing for Development Conference was held, to the largest target year of 2015, when the U.S. is expected to meet the Millennium Development Goals, this amounts to $845 billion dollars from the U.S. alone. So from 2002 to 2015, if everything goes according to plan, the money that we're going to pay the U.N. from this would be $845 billion. You can fund a lot of armies with that much money. According to Jeffrey Sachs of the U.N. Millennium Project, that's what he said. Now, last statement. Obama told the United Nations in 2009 that we have fully embraced the Millennium Development Goals, meaning the $845 billion 
from the U.S. alone. We fully embrace those goals. That's what your wonderful president has endorsed. So again, just more exposing uh, of this wicked, corrupt system. Okay, so back then to the next article. Next article, um, President Obama, this is from Associated Press, Washington. President Barack Obama appealed to Hispanics on Wednesday to support Democrats in the November elections, despite his failed promise to pass an immigration overhaul. Obama acknowledged the disappointment among Latinos, or really among illegal aliens. Who would be, who, what Latinos being here legally would be really disappointed, unless they had a whole bunch of illegal alien buddies that they wanted to get made legal. I guess that would be a section of them. But he acknowledged the disappointment among illegal aliens. I'm just going to put that in, over the immigration issue, and pledged to keep pushing for a comprehensive overhaul of the nation's immigration laws to deal with border security and provide an eventual route for legal status for an estimated 11 million illegal immigrants in the United States. This devil has the audacity to actually go before Hispanics in mass and acknowledge, you know, the disappointment among Latinos over the immigration issue and, and pledge just to keep pushing on for the overhaul where we can get all you illegal aliens, whether you're criminals or not, illegal status. This is the upside-down world. This is the evil, you know, one of them they call evil good and good evil world that we live in today. Uh, then he goes on to say, these are quotes from Obama. He says, quote, you have every right to keep the heat on me and the Democrats. And I hope you do. That's how our political process works. This is what Obama said to the illegal aliens, essentially. Obama said the Congressional Hispanic Caucus Institute, he said this at the Congressional Hispanic Caucus's Institute Awards Dinner. Then he goes on to say, but don't forget who is standing with you. And who is standing against you? So Obama's saying, don't you forget who's standing with you. Me, me, me. Mr. Obama, I'm standing with you, illegal aliens. And you better not forget the big bad wolf who's standing against you either. The president said it. He said that as he blamed the Republicans for standing in the way of progress. He says, don't you ever believe that this election coming up doesn't matter. He said this to the basically to the illegal aliens, but it was at this caucus dinner, this Hispanic caucus dinner. Obama also promised to help win passage of a bill known as the DREAM Act, which we're going to be talking about quite a bit next, that would allow young illegal aliens who attend college or join the military to become legal U.S. citizens. Yeah, we got to get that DREAM Act through. Senate Majority Leader Harry Reid of Nevada said this week that he wants to attach the measure to an upcoming defense policy bill that the Senate could begin considering as soon as next week. Good old uh, Harry Reid. Um, I think Rush Limbaugh calls him Dingy Harry. Like Dirty Harry, he calls him Dingy Harry. Have you, have you heard Rush Limbaugh lately? I have never heard a more arrogant, full-of-himself guy in my life. He really does think he's a god. I mean, the guy is like, I never heard such self-aggrandizement. He, he praises him, oh, I'm the um, this and that, and I'm the purveyor of truth, and I'm always right in this. I mean, golly, that guy is as far from humble as anybody as I have ever seen in my life. Okay? Um, but anyway, I, I just it's almost hilarious listening to the guy. He's something else. He's truly a legend in his own mind. But anyway, um, Now, he goes further, Obama, and he says, I know that many of you campaigned hard for me. (laughs) Well, sure, those illegal aliens wanted him in office in the worst kind of way. And, And then he says, and understandably, you're frustrated that we have not been able to move this over the finish line yet. Then he goes on to say, I am too. I'm frustrated too. I'm with you. I'm, I'm with you lockstep. He says, but let me be clear. I will not walk away from this fight. My commitment is to getting this done as soon as we can. And then some in the audience shouted, when? 
Obama urged the Hispanics to remember who extended health care to millions of uh, their illegal alien children, provided Pell Grants for Latino students and illegal aliens, and enacted credit card reform. Oh, in some states you can get driver's license being an illegal alien too. Remember we talked about that? And created a new agency to protect consumers from predatory lending, including millions of illegal aliens who send money to relatives in their native countries. We've got to protect them. We've got to protect their money they're earning here illegally, right? So they can send it back to Mexico and other countries. I mean, I mean, what's not fair about this whole... I mean, it's all good, right? He said, don't, don't forget who your friends are, he said. Then he spoke in Spanish. And he said, no se olvidan. I don't know, I probably butchered it, I'm sorry. No se olvidan, which is Spanish for don't forget. He has scheduled a White House meeting to talk about the DREAM Act as well as an immigration bill with Senator Menendez plans to introduce about, this is a good one, he wants to talk to the Senator Menendez about the DREAM Act and also about repealing regulations that give local police the authority to make immigration arrests. He wants to take that right again from our local, I would imagine, sheriff. He wants to take away that right from them to make any kind of immigration arrest and put it in federal hands so it can't happen. I mean, it's like we're in the twilight zone with this stuff. It's, it's, I don't even, I mean, I'm just speechless. Absolutely speechless. Um, I am going to, let's see here, I don't think I've got enough time, no, I don't have enough time to get in this next article. We're going to have to go to a part three here, and we're going to kind of continue this on the um, Dream Act and some other things that are attached with it. So, God bless you, we'll see you on the, uh, the next teaching.